Hi, I'm Issa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hun. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keo and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. It is Friday, December 23rd. Merry Christmas Eve, Eve. So how often have you had this conversation? Man, I totally cut the cord on TV, but Sunday Ticket, it's DirecTV. Nope, no more. After years of speculation, Google closed a deal this week to take over the Sunday Ticket package next season. Every Sunday game, except your local telecast. It's a seven-year deal worth as much as $2 billion a year, depending on benchmarks. The games will be available as an add-on for an additional fee to YouTube TV, the company's $65 streaming package, or available for purchase separately through its YouTube primetime channels interface. It's another product. Pricing hasn't been revealed yet. On DirecTV, it's like 100 bucks, 200 bucks, depending on the package. So why did this happen? I mean, DirecTV has been paying $1.5 billion a year for these rights, losing about $500 million annually. There's the obvious, because Google could. The streaming services are finally diving into sports. Google has more money than it knows what to do with. It's been trying to turn YouTube TV into a great subscription business at a time when advertising is challenged. YouTube's ad business actually declined in the past quarter. The company said in July that it had 5 million subscribers to its service at YouTube TV. That surpasses Hulu Plus Live TV. And this is only the beginning, just like Amazon's foray with the NFL and Thursday Night Football. We're going to get into all that today with Ben Mullen who's a reporter for the New York Times, who covered this deal and many others in the media space. All things YouTube, NFL, and streaming of sports. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Ben Mullen. Ben's a reporter at the New York Times, covers the media industry, a big deal guy. You have covered the NFL's various uh, rights deals, including the big one this past week, Sunday Ticket to Google and YouTube for $2 billion, perhaps more than $2 billion. First of all, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, so let's get into this because I think most people monitoring this saga over the last year or so and who DirecTV was going to go to thought that Apple was in the pole position and they were deep into it. I mean, I've talked to people this week that say, yeah, it was theirs to lose. And it, there were a couple things that, that it got hung up on. Why did this not go to Apple? Well, I think it depends on who you talk to. My sense of talking to people familiar with Apple's point of view is that they believe that the rights were just way too expensive and that they weren't willing to pay as much as the NFL was looking for. Um, 
And I've talked to people sort of familiar with the league's thinking. And my sense from them is that they believe that Apple didn't have a clear media strategy. And when you're a league and when you're marketing rights like this, what you're really looking for is somebody that's going to be a great partner, that's going to have really wide distribution for the sport so that it ultimately grows in popularity over time. Um, so I think in some ways, what I've what my reporting shows is that it depends who you talk to. But the one through line is, it seems like Apple fell off maybe in the post-Thanksgiving period. And mm-hmm. that's when YouTube, the talks with YouTube got really hot and heavy. That's interesting that they would be concerned about their commitment and strategy here because Apple, unlike Google, has already done big sports deals. They had MLB this past year, a couple games. They have this 10-year deal with Major League Soccer, which I think is going to be a good deal for them. You know, the MLB games were sort of not great. They didn't really give the best, you know, provide the best broadcasters. Uh, but the, you know, the people at Apple, I think, at least from what I've heard, are committed to getting premium sports on there. Um, what I had heard was that also this NFL network stake was a big problem for Apple. The NFL wanted uh, their partner on Sunday ticket to essentially become an investor in NFL media, which includes NFL network, red zone, you know, NFL.com. And that was something that ultimately Apple wasn't interested in. And it's interesting because now the deal with YouTube that was announced doesn't include that. So people always say, oh, the NFL gets whatever they want. They're the king of media. They didn't get this. They didn't get an investor in NFL network and NFL media. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too, that the deal didn't include an announcement from YouTube saying they'd taken a 30% stake in the NFL's media arm. Um, And I think maybe at the end of the day, Apple was willing to forgo that investment because they figure, well, listen, live sports rights are only going to get more valuable as people cut the cable cord. And we could find maybe a traditional media buyer for that stake as the situation with cord cutting gets more dire over the years. Yeah, or maybe it's coming. Maybe it's just something they're negotiating separately or you know, we don't know what's going on or maybe they just have an understanding. I mean, I think the long-term play for Google is to get into bed with the NFL so that they can have a larger partnership as all viewing transfers to digital. And you know, when the next series of rights come up, whether it's 10 years from now or whatever, that Google is in the pole position here to get more than just Sunday Ticket, where they could YouTube TV could become the home of you know the main Sunday afternoon package or you know Monday Night Football or something like that that would put them. And then this is really just the beginning of a long dance between these two companies because I think that is what Amazon is thinking. That's why they got into Thursday night. They said, "Okay, let's see if we can do this. See what it you know what kind of a return on our investment we get with." having these Thursday night games and how it impacts prime. And then if all goes well, we make a bigger play because these are the only companies that really have the money right now to play in this big sandbox. I mean, you, these, these traditional media companies are spending so much of their annual content budget on sports rights. It's really becoming onerous for them. And I think we're going to see that in the next NBA negotiation when Turner is going to have to try to pony up and compete with some of these streamers. And what we've got here is Google just saying, okay, it's worth it for us. A couple billion a year doesn't, you know, doesn't really matter 
in the long term for us, and we'll see where it goes. Totally. When I was talking to um, Bob Iger, I think a couple months ago, this was pre-coming back to Disney, he told me that he thought that some of the streamers were the sleeping giants and were really going to get into sports in a big way, even more than they already have. And it kind of reminds me of what Skipper said on your podcast last week, um, where he basically said something to the effect of, you know, that he thought the NBA would split their package into basically four separate packages um, to basically capture some of that revenue from these streaming companies, which are emerging. And I think, I think the other thing here is if you look at the long arc of media history, the NFL has basically always been used as a loss leader business to build a bigger media business around. I mean, the NFL was basically what launched the Fox network. Right. And everybody thought Rupert did a diseconomical deal to get people in the door. He did. I mean, in the short term, he did, but it was worth it in the long term. Totally. I think what we're seeing here is these platforms know and the league knows that it's easier for an emerging grow- growing business to pay and do a diseconomical deal for rights like this. It's harder for a maturing business to do deals for these for these rights because they have to justify it to their investors and it doesn't really make sense for them. It's much easier for them to sell to a YouTube or to an Apple or to an Amazon than it is for them to do a deal with a traditional cable network. Yeah, and this is coming at a perfect time, it seems, because the YouTube ad business is actually a little bit, not I wouldn't say challenged, but it did decline last quarter. And I think everybody is looking to whatever can lure subscription, can lure subscribers. If you look at the subscriber numbers on YouTube TV, it's only about 5 million people in the US. So I think there's plenty of room to go up there. And this is going to help that. What I found pretty interesting here is that at least for now, the Google is not going to require people to subscribe to YouTube TV in order to get Sunday Ticket on top of that. And that was a big lure for DirecTV. You you had to be a DirecTV customer to then get the Sunday Ticket package on top of that. And that's not going to be the case on YouTube. They're, they have this other premium uh, offering where you can buy things a la carte. It's called the YouTube Primetime Channels. And they're going to let you subscribe to Sunday Ticket through that, even if you're not a YouTube TV customer. Uh, why would they do that? Is that just because they want to ultimately compete with Amazon and Apple as being the channel store for the internet? I mean, it seems like that's the play there. They don't necessarily care that you give them your money for YouTube TV if you're going to come through their interface and their gate to get direct to get uh, Sunday ticket that way. I think that's 100% right. I mean, the other thing is once they have you in there, marketing funnel, once they have your email, they can then cross-sell you on YouTube TV. And Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that the people who are likely to subscribe to Sunday Ticket through um, YouTube's primetime channels are likely to be the kind of people who would subscribe to YouTube TV because there's a bigger chance that they're cord cutters or cord nevers. So I think it's a phenomenal marketing opportunity for them. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm at my brother-in-law's house right now for the holidays, and he has YouTube TV, and I didn't have that much experience with it until I went on it here. It's a great product. I mean, it's very easy to use. Like, you can have your channels. It replicates the cable experience pretty well. And if there was a Sunday ticket upsell, uh, you know, he'd probably go for it. I would. 
This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The other aspect here that I think could benefit Google is they are also in the hardware business. It's not a big business for them. My colleague at Puck, Julia Alexander, was tweeting about this this past week about the hardware business and how if you then pair the NFL with YouTube TV or their premium channel service, you could essentially make the Apple play here where you could use the content to help sell the hardware. And she's, she's citing um, about 7% of domestic market share for Google TV devices. And that's not nearly as big as Amazon, Roku, some of the others. So Google here could use this as a hardware play. That makes total sense to me. And it, it seems like that's a place that increasingly a bunch of media companies are getting into. Like Comcast um, recently did a JV with Charter in part uh, to go after Roku, which has the really great um, set-top box that they right. offer. You know, Roku is obviously the leader in this category. Amazon is in this category. And one of the things that Comcast does is they basically cross-promote their, their content on their set-top box. And I think that drives a lot of adoption. And so I can see YouTube TV basically doing that play here. Even if they can't offer Sunday Ticket for free to their device users, because that would be diseconomical for them, I think they can at least basically get it in front of those people and drive subscriptions using that strategy. It's so amazing. The best entertainment media businesses right now are businesses that don't rely on entertainment media. <laughs> if, you, if you look at everything going on right now, I mean, these companies, these companies we're talking about, this is chump change. This is change in the couch, what they're doing. The, you know, the Amazon business is not Thursday night football. The Apple business is not Major League Soccer. The YouTube business is certainly not Sunday ticket. But here we are because their other businesses are so great that they can just plant their foot and say, yeah, let's just do this. I just, you got to feel for these traditional outlets where if you're like CBS or Fox or even, you know, especially ESPN, where their entire business is rented rights. It's like, how do you compete here? It's so tough. And I mean, if you look at, again, about like the history of media deal making, so often it seems vertical integration is a terrible idea. Like we saw that with um, AT&T and the Warner Media acquisition, the justification for that deal never makes sense. They, I, they were going to like cut clips and you would distribute them using data over your phones. Like, oh, the infamous, the infamous eight minute episodes of Game of Thrones that they were talking <laughs> about. Remember that? Yeah, exactly. Why isn't Game of Thrones like eight minute episodes on your phone? Everyone would love that. But like weirdly, it seems like. Uh, vertical integration, if you back into it by renting sports rights or by buying 
uh, content that you can then stream over your services. That weirdly seems to be the best business model going right now, which I think says something about how terrible the media industry is these days. Yeah. It's interesting though, because YouTube has not had an easy go of it in the content business. I mean, we're going back 10 years now where deal after deal, remember these initiatives that they've announced for professionally produced content and they were going to make real shows and they were doing big, big time talent deals with these people for channels where they would produce shows on YouTube. For the most part, that stuff hasn't worked for YouTube. It's been the bread and butter, user-generated content and kids stuff that has really driven YouTube. It's the you know the the uh, the highlights and and all these other deals that they have with companies to produce or to put their aftermarket stuff essentially on YouTube. This is a big difference. This is a game changer. This is not just premium content. This is the most premium content. And I think there's a way here for you to, to funnel up, so to speak, where you're getting the average YouTube person to come into the NFL ecosystem via clips and via promotion and use that audience to drive the premium, premium subscription business. Because we don't know what the price is going to be, but it's going to be expensive. Totally. And I mean, in the very long run, you know, you see a lot of people who are um, bearish on streaming because the unit economics for a lot of companies are still very bad. But if you think about like 30 years from now, how are we going to be consuming content? It's going to be on our phones, on our computers, on connected TV devices. And so there's a huge tailwind for the streaming industry. And I think probably the people that are bearish on streaming in the short run aren't seeing kind of the bigger picture. And so I think it makes a ton of sense for YouTube to put a stake in the ground and license these rights and say, no, we think streaming is here to stay. And this is what we think is going to generate a ton of subscribers for us. And the, from the NFL's perspective, it's younger. They're, they're, they're being smart. They're looking at their audience and saying the audience of network linear TV is getting older. This is where the audience is. And they're, you know, they're not putting the prime games on these outlets yet. They're not putting the Sunday packages, the main packages on digital. Those are still linear for a long time to come because at the end of the day, the NFL is trying to get the biggest possible audience. And I think that's why I disagree with Simmons a little bit on this one. Simmons thinks that Turner will not keep the NBA or if they do, it'll be a tiny package. I think the NBA is going to be willing to give enough games to linear to keep that audience because they know that if you go full digital right now, you do sacrifice a level of viewership uh, in exchange for getting younger and looking to the future. And the NFL seems to have this right balance right now where they're putting some of their stuff on digital, but keeping the bread and butter linear um, and getting as many partners invested in the success of the NFL as possible. Yes, that's why I think Disney is potentially such a great partner because they have the ABC broadcast network, which is perfect for the Super Bowl and perfect for the NBA finals, because that's really the largest possible audience you can have. Then you have, you know, premium cable, which is a ton of people still subscribe to that. And then you have ESPN plus, which, you know, obviously, if you're trying to capture a younger audience, like that's really good. So you don't subscribe to the theory that that ESPN is going to be spun off or sold? I think if you were going to spin off those properties, you would spin off ABC, ESPN, and some of the other linear channels. 
you would take a one-time hit as an impairment charge, and then you would never have to talk about the declining cable business on an earnings call ever again. So just get out of the television business. Disney gets out of the TV business and then focuses its future on streaming. Bingo. You, you take the hit, you get a ton of cash, and then you invest that in your streaming content. And I think the other thing is, you could still, if you did like a tax-free spinoff, similar to what um, Discovery did to acquire Warner Media, mm-hmm. your investors could still own a big chunk of the cable business, and you could still potentially get dividends from the cash flow. Um, yeah. But you wouldn't have it weighing down your stock anymore. Yeah, I, I'm a little skeptical. I know Skipper thinks that's going to happen. I just, I don't see Iger cutting the cord on these brands. Like he loves ESPN, he loves ABC. The other thing too is um, they still they still throw off a ton of cash that he can yep. then use to to spend on all these businesses. Right. So I could see that I could see the case for doing both. But people that I've talked to who are, I guess, Disney lifers is what I've called them. Right. Who say they could see a real compelling argument for doing it? Okay, interesting. So, DirecTV, this the womp womp sign is uh, <laughs> flashing right now. Where, where did where did the sad trombone? Where does uh, this leave DirecTV? You would think they would want to try to merge with Dish if they could, right? Because both businesses are in a state of irrevocable decline. There's about 13 million subscribers, 13.5 million subscribers in the U.S. That's down from more than 20 million about 10 years ago and getting more depressing. You got to figure they're going to take a huge hit after these games go away, after Sunday ticket goes away. Yeah. I don't know whether DirecTV becomes less profitable once these games go away. If you look at what Stanky said about Sunday ticket in 2019, it's clear that this deal was going to be very diseconomical for them, which is why they got out of it. They're losing 500 million bucks a year. Right. So you could argue that this was actually a, a good move from an investor perspective for them. But you do kind of wonder like, well, what's the future for them if they don't have these rights? It's just a tough spot. I mean, that you're right. This is, this is probably net positive, getting rid of this hugely expensive service. But it also... <laughs> just takes away, I think, a ton of subscribers in this country because they're not going to, you know, so many people I know are DirecTV customers because of Sunday Ticket. So if you're Charlie Ergen, maybe you wait to figure out how the antitrust lawsuit... He runs DISH. Yeah. Maybe you wait to figure out how the antitrust lawsuit with Activision um, ends up going. But if the FTC ends up losing that um, legal challenge then I think there's a really compelling argument for merging those two companies because, yes, there's an argument that they're anti-competitive, but if there's a really high-profile stumble at the anti-competitive litigation level, then maybe that deal could actually happen and there would be a ton of cost savings for both companies. Yeah, that'd be an interesting argument because, yes, they're direct competitors, but they're also now competing in a much larger ecosystem. So it would be how the ultimate arbiter finds the market to be? Is the market satellite television or is the market television? Uh, Interesting question there. Uh, So this is the last big package of NFL rights to be doled out. If you look at right now, CBS, Fox, NBC, they're all paying more than $2 billion a year. They've got 11-year packages. 
Disney's paying about $2.7 billion a year for Monday Night Football. Um, Amazon's got its Thursday Night Football for a billion dollars per year. And now Sunday Ticket. So is this peak NFL? Is this going to be, when we look back in 10 years, are we going to look back and be like, wow, that was the apex of what, you know, all of these streamers coming up while we had all of these linear channels trying to maintain a business that's all going to be resolved in the next 10 years. So or is, or is this going to be the highest these rights have ever gone? Or are we going to just see an escalating uh, amount of money forever? I could be wrong about this, but I think this may be peak NFL. I agree. If you look 10 years from now, a bunch of these TV players are probably going to have consolidated. Like I think probably Paramount and NBC Universal, if you look 10 years from now, it's quite possible that'll be one company. And so you're definitely going to lose some buyers on the linear side. Well, and they'll be so underwater. I mean, if you look at the the justification for paying all this money is because the audience is there and the ad rates are there. But the more people that cut the cord, the more people that are you know not going to these. Well, I shouldn't say that they're not going to the games, but they may be watching the games on a different platform. Um, there it's going to be less incentive. The one thing the NFL has is that it is consistently shown that it is the only thing that keeps an audience in this environment. And wherever you put the NFL, the eyeballs will follow. So they've got that going for them. And I think that that will always be valuable, but the situation we have right now, where you have all of these companies that are, uh, struggling to maintain their linear television outlets, combined with all of these hugely profitable streaming companies or tech companies that have streaming services, that is a perfect storm for high prices. And you're already starting to see some pushback. I also think that culturally speaking, some of the issues that the NFL has struggled with over the last couple of decades are probably only going to get worse. Oh, you think so? You you think they're they're the concussion stuff and um, some of the other issues they've had that that's going to come back. It, it seems to have gone away a little bit. I think so. I also think like you know fewer 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 and fewer people are playing youth football, right? And I mean, yeah. there are a bunch of sports that are on the rise in the U.S., including NBA and soccer. Um, right. And I think to a certain extent, some of those sports might supplant the NFL among younger viewers. And so I think it's possible that um, their their total um, you know their total addressable market is actually going to shrink over the next ten years. Interesting. Well, I think getting into business with YouTube is one hedge against that because that is younger. All right, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for having me. All right, we are back with the call sheet, Craig. What did you think of Ben's point there about the NFL perhaps having troubles uh, coming up? I, I'm not sure I agree with him. No, I think the NFL continues to push right through its political problems and whatever other problems it's dealing with. I don't, I don't think it's going to get any smaller or less popular. I think it's kind of the last example of monoculture. And I think like the splintering of every other type of entertainment actually helps the NFL because it is still weekly appointment viewing. 
Yeah, the only counter to that I would say is I've seen this evolve over the past 10 years where first it was scripted dramas on television and people were like, oh yeah, people are watching those on streaming now. Then regular broadcast TV is just going to be for you know lower, lower brow shows and reality TV and award shows and sports. And then all of a sudden the lower brow stuff went to streaming and then the reality went to streaming and then the award shows fell off because nobody was watching live. And like one by one, all of these categories of television have slowly migrated over. And it's really just the NFL that is the last bastion of this. So if you look at that precedent, it suggests that at some point that will stop, that the NFL will ultimately be hurt by cord cutting and by the demise of the monoculture. Uh, maybe it'll be the outlier or maybe that audience will just reconstitute itself in streaming but at least in linear you know the the history here is that everything will ultimately be impacted yeah but i mean i i don't i think it'll just reconstitute itself in streaming Every, everything moving so? yeah i mean all these dramas like you were talking about moving to streaming viewership goes down because there's too many things to watch the nfl is still going to be the nfl i don't think that's ever going to change i mean the super bowl keeps getting more viewers every year i don't think it matters where it goes and where you watch it um, it, I'm telling you, it's 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 like how people are going back to wanting TV to come out every week. It's nice to know that on Sunday night you can watch White Lotus because the NFL, yeah. unlike every other sport, is just, I mean, there are Thursday and Monday and stuff like that. The fact that it's just every Sunday and it's once a week, I think that will always keep the NFL popular. Yeah, they have a great schedule and every game's meaningful. You know, it's not like these other leagues where it's like you're watching an NBA game in October and you're like, really, are these guys actually there? Yeah, it's like 10 episodes of Game of Thrones. It's like, right, hey, exactly. it's great. There's three months a year. Every Sunday, I sit down and I watch football. I don't think that's ever going to change. Yeah, they just got to figure out a smart way to transition it over. And it seems like they're doing it pretty smartly. So my prediction today is that this time next year, after a half season or almost full season of NFL games and Sunday ticket on YouTube TV, I think YouTube TV is going to blow past Hulu plus live TV and a lot of the other so-called skinny bundles on digital and really establish itself as the dominant digital cable bundle here. Because even though it's offered separately where you don't have to have YouTube TV, I think the promo is going to be there and they're going to, they already have 5 million subscribers. They're already bigger than Hulu and live TV. They're just going to keep growing, growing, growing. And I think this ultimately, when we look back on this deal, it's going to be a good one. Yes, they probably overpaid and the, you know, the incentives there are to get as many customers as they can um, because that's going to raise the price that they're paying to the NFL each year. But I think this is ultimately going to be good for Google. I just, all this makes so much sense. Like everybody I talk to, all my friends are thrilled by this, not just because DirecTV was a horrible product, but this just feels like the perfect landing spot. I mean, you well, you're digital natives. I mean, you're, young yeah. people are digital natives. They, they get pissed off when they have to search for a link on Reddit or wherever to watch a football game on their phone. Now- I can't tell you how many shady websites I have had to go through. The, I've been in the depths of the dark web trying to watch <laughs> football games in my life. 
you know, closing out the most disturbing <laughs> advertisements. <laughs> I do not want to see your search history there. No. Uh, but you're, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's why people love the Amazon Thursday Night Football. Not because it's a different product. It's not. It's actually, they went out of their way to make it the same product. Literally that's going like it. getting Al Michaels, you know, the voice of football to be there. And other than a smiley face on the field, there's really no difference in the product. It's just the accessibility for digital natives. You literally go on Amazon and it's right there. I think that's that's the key. And I think that's why YouTube is going to be so successful with this. Is Look, YouTube's been around for almost 20 years now, yet it still feels young and innovative. I mean, like over 100 million people a day go on YouTube. Like it's the easiest way to watch video on the internet. Yeah. To me, it's, it's the perfect landing spot. All right. We'll see. That's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Ben Mullen, and want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck. We will see you next week. Happy holidays. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.